Hey everyone, what's going on? Hello and welcome to the debut episode of Buds and Blue Jays show. I'm your host, Jesse Burrell. I'm joined by my co-host, Riley McConnell. Riley, what's up, man? Not much, man. I'm just good to be here. Excited to get ready for the ball season. Hoping the Jays do good this year, dude. Yeah, I mean, we're going to be here every single step of the way. This is going to be your place for all things Toronto Blue Jays in 2020. We're going to be doing series recaps. We're going to be doing previews of any big storylines that happen throughout the season. If it's Blue Jays related, this is the place to be. Just a quick note, though, uh, where things stand right now at this current moment, the MLB owners have locked out the players, which means we're not going to get any new transactions and we're not going to, um, sorry, the MLB employees are not going to be able to contact with the team. So it's kind of like a dead space right now into Major League Baseball, which I think is a perfect time for us to go in to get recalibrated with where the team stands right now, kind of how we did last year, what our main storylines are going into the 2022 season. So I'm thinking the best way we can go is we got to, Meet the characters, who's going to be the people in the 2022 season that we're going to talk about. Um, quick note, if you're a passionate Blue Jays fan and you're a diehard guy, you're already going to know who a lot of these players are. But stick around, you might learn something new. It could be a lot of fun. Uh, before we get started talking about the team, though, I think we got to introduce ourselves, right? So, Riley, I'm going to ask you a few questions. Uh, who Absolutely. are you? Absolutely. Yeah. How did you become a Blue Jays fan? Who are your favorite players? Spin away. Well, how I became a Blue Jays fan... Living in this area in Southern Ontario, there are Blue Jays fans everywhere. Mm -hmm. I don't know any family that doesn't have a dozen of Blue Jays fans. Um, I've gone to probably 50 or so games in my life, been to some real good games, and I've been <laughs> to some real bad games. And you asked me where my favorite players were, and sadly, yeah. some of those guys are on, you know, not such good teams. You know, guys I like to watch, though. And some were, you know, rented players. Let's talk right. about two of my favorite guys right off the bat. Two great third basemen for the Jays, Troy Gloss and Scott Rowland. Mm. The just uh, coming late 2000s. Off, yeah, just coming off great, you know, got Gloss from the Angels. He came off, I, I can't tell you right now, but 30 home run season. Same with Rowland. Rowland's a great gold glover. He'll be in the Hall of Fame, no doubt, this year. Yeah, two very underrated players that the Jays had in their history. Troy Gloss was just a masher. He was a big guy, and, like, he hit some moonshots of home runs into the Rogers Center. That was just a spectacle to see. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, Scott Rowland, too, like, great defensive guy. Like I said, he's on the Hall of Fame ballot right now, and he's just, you know, by all accounts, he seems like a really good guy, played really long career, you know? He could hit. No complaints there. Yeah, do, you have a favorite, uh, do you have a favorite Blue Jays memory? I don't know. <clears throat> as far you know, people ask you, where were you when this happened? Right. And I'll tell you, when Jose Bautista hit that home run, it was the day before my 19th birthday. Mm -hmm. I was actually, illegally, having a couple <laughs> drinks with my parents at the time. How dare you? And I, and I, yeah, yeah, tell <laughs> me about it. And before that inning started, I was very deflated i thought you know we've made it this far we, the acquisitions we had that season were great yeah and when elvis andrews started throwing that ball around the infield the way he did or dropping that ball mm -hmm. i just i started to gain hope and i don't know what it was that, that that inning was just nuts but as soon as bautista hit that home run i don't think i've ever jumped so high out of my seat in my life mm -hmm. That's got to be the main big moment that a lot of Blue Jays fans have had uh, growing up watching this team. Because before that team in 2015 made the playoffs, the Blue Jays were in mediocrity land for forever. They went on a, like a 22-year playoff drought. So the fact that they 
finally got into the playoffs in 2015 and it looked like we were going to lose it off of Russell Martin throwing the ball back to the pitcher and hitting the bat and coming down. We got so deflated and we thought there's no way at this 22 year drought that this is going to be how the Blue Jays are eliminated. And then Bautista with one swing of the bat just changed all that. So I think that's a really good moment to have there. And it's probably a popular one for a lot of people. Oh, for sure. And just how strange it is. You talk about the Russell Martin thing. And hey, since, since you sure I remember his actions, just throwing his hands out like that. I don't know if that was his repetition or whatever. Something maybe the catcher needs to think about. I don't know. I was never a catcher. Mm-hmm. But just almost, a, you almost want to say a one in a million play at the, at the wrong time. It's going to be one if you're a Blue Jays fan. You're going to remember that inning and that play oh. for a long, long time. Mm-hmm. So for me, myself... Um, you know, I also grew up in Southern Ontario. I've been playing baseball my whole life. Um, I grew up pretty much living on the baseball diamond. My mom would take me to ball diamonds all throughout the area. And so at a very young age, you just learn how to pick up a baseball and you just go and you throw it. And It didn't take long before you're out there playing catch or you're inviting your neighbors over to play and you're, you know, you're 11 years old and you think you've got this nasty curveball and you think you're going pro as all of us did at a young age, you know, um, so it just kind of struck with me going up. I've made a lot of great friends playing baseball. You know, I, some of my finest moments are out on the diamond. And uh, it's just become a part of my identity and who I am today. In terms of uh, the Blue Jays, I, if you mention my favorite player, it has to be Roy Halladay, right? Like he was the guy, he was the rock, he was the star pitcher. You know, he always kind of kept to himself and he just dominated on the mound. I remember late in his Blue Jays career, I was watching a game where he was in Kansas City. And Roy Halladay gave up a first inning single, just a little cheap ground ball up the middle. And uh, the Kansas City Royals just gave him so much respect. Be like, well, there won't be a no hitter from Roy Halladay today. And it's just like, no one talks about that like any other pitcher, you know, the way Roy Halladay was. So he's got to be my favorite player of all time. Um, In terms of favorite Blue Jays memory, I don't really know. I, like I said, like you, I've been to a lot of games. I was at Josh Donaldson's three home run game against Minnesota, which was really good. I was there for Stroman's first ever Blue Jays start. I was there for Stroman's last ever Blue Jays start. There were some good ones, but I'm I'm optimistic that my favorite Blue Jays memory is still up to come. So that is that's a very good thought. Mm-hmm. That is very I wouldn't even call that optimistic. <laughs> you know, that's that it's that should be how it is, man. Um, and there will be a lot of good memories to come, man. There'll be a lot of good ones. Hopefully, not a lot of bad ones, but we'll get that mix. It's a cycle. So there you go. So now we've uh, we've learned a little bit about us, who we are, how our Blue Jays fandom goes about. I think uh, today we're going to do a little meet the team segment because we've got to talk about all the players that we're going to know in the 2022 season. So I think we're going to start right at the top with our coach. Our coach is uh, Charlie Montoyo. He's a Puerto Rican. He's uh, 56 years old. He spent a long time in the minors with the Tampa Bay Rays moving up their ranks. Um, He got hired before the 2019 season, and I think 2022 is actually his last year under team control. I think at the end of last season, they gave him the club option for one year. So Montoyo's on a contract year, so that might be a storyline we discuss uh, going through the rest of the season. Um, He's been with this team as we've been absolute dog shit and as we've slowly gotten better, having having a playoff appearance in 2020 and then just missing last year in 2021. He's gotten manager of the year votes. Tell me your thoughts on Montoyo. My thoughts on Montoya is he's he's still in the infant stages of being an MLB manager. Right. I think there's a lot of potential with this guy. I like the fact that he started on this Jays team with guys like Kevin and Bo and Vlad at a young age. The inexperience. I'm not saying anything about their talent, but 
there's a certain essence of being a service player and coming in as a rookie or a person who just played 40 games in one year and then coming into their next season. Uh, I think he does a good job. I think he's very passionate at times. Don't think he lets his emotions get the better of him, but I think if he needs to stick the team, he does a good job. And I like a manager who's passionate. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm not talking, you got to go all oh, Lupinella on, you know, the umpire, but I like an, um, I, I like a uh, manager that's going to stick up for his guys. Yeah, it's really hard to judge how good a manager is doing with their team, right? A lot of the manager of the year voting suggests they give it to the team that overperformed or they look good. And then, well, that must have been the manager to do it. But what a manager really has to do is they just got to take control of the like 30 personalities that they have in their clubhouse, you know, and that's very underrated and hard thing to do. I think it's a big plus, like you said, that uh, he came up when all the young kids came up. So he's kind of like part of that family with them. And it's kind of crazy for a guy who's spent years and years um, coaching in the minor leagues that he still kind of feels new, right? Like he still doesn't feel like he has all this managerial experience. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I think it'll be good to see. I think a lot of people are upset with Montoyo that he doesn't go out and rage at umpires like we've seen John Gibbons do for years on this team. Because yeah. John Gibbons was like the hockey guy, something. You said something wrong to him. He comes out, guns ablazing, telling like the umpires what goofs they are and all this <clears> stuff. And you don't really oh. see that from Montoyo. So I think that rubs some people the wrong way. Yeah, for sure. I think there's a good mix in there. Of course, you know, there's a there's a mix of personality and uh, Montoya. Like, there's two di- there's two different. I think I'm having a little troubles here with the connection. No, it's all just good. It happens. Off, uh, nope, you can hear me, Justin. Um, you know, there's a there's a they're two different people as far as Gibbons goes and Montoya. You can't and you can't compare them. Being an MLB manager, you're you're a grown man babysitting grown man at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as to who you play and in what situation is how you're rated as a manager, in my opinion. You know, who are you going to call in the bullpen? You know, do you need a pinch hitter? Things like that. That's how I grade my managers. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as raging out on the field, you know, that's either a bonus or it's going to hold you back depending on the situation. I guess we should wait until uh, the end of Montoya's career here to really put a judge on him. But I still think the jury's still out on how good of a manager he is. And as long as you don't, I don't think a manager can really take your team over the edge, but having a bad manager can really sink you. And I mm-hmm. think Charlie Montoya isn't going to sink this team. So I think you got to think he's a good manager, right? Yep. All right. So that's the coach. Let's get on to some of the players. Now, Riley, you had a order of how you want to talk about these guys. You were thinking about uh, what you think the projected batting order is for next year. So not only yes. are we going to talk about these players, we'll probably spit out what order they're coming in too. So give us a shot. Yeah. So just hypothetically, I mean, we kind of all know, um, I'll start with the top guy. I think we are all know George Springer is probably going to be that guy leading off. Um, I have him playing center field, obviously uh, his choice. natural position, really the only place, you know, to put George Springer in this Jays team. Uh, he hit lead off for a, a world series winning team. Um, also for a leadoff hitter, he has a lot of home runs. Mm-hmm. Comes, he actually comes in Jesse this year, four home runs shy of his 200th. Oh, really? I think, I think he does that, you know, four weeks into the year. Oh, I, think I think even quicker. He, he's got, I don't, I'm just saying, just give me a timeline. <laughs> a lot of pop in his bat, man. And he's, he's, you know, he's far above the average for d- defense too. Uh, not the leadoff hitter. That's going to get you 40 steals. 
You know, I think that's kind of so 1990s, mm-hmm. you know, to have your Hendersons and, you know, guys like that that are going to steal all the time. But he's going to get on base for you. He's also going to have a crap ton of extra base hits. Um, so what I've done here is kind of give it a best case scenario for the slash line and stats that I think, you know, you guys want to hear about, which would be home runs, RBIs, even through walks and stolen bases. I personally think walks are very important in baseball, you mm-hmm. know, Maybe it's overlooked sometimes. I think it's great. If you can take four balls on a pitcher without swinging and missing three times, that's pretty good. I mean, the object of every hitter when they walk up to the plate is to not record an out, right? And if you can take your times, you're not going to make good contact and turn them into walks and not record outs. I think that makes you elite. Now, before you give your stats on uh, Springer, what you think best case and worst case scenarios to do, he's, uh, I'll give you a little rundown on him. He's 32 years old. He's in the second year of the big six-year $150 million contract that he gave um the one knock on george springer is he got hurt a lot last year uh he got hurt towards the end of spring training so we thought maybe he was only going to be out for two weeks turns out two weeks lasted like almost four months but the thing with george springer is when he did play he was elite like you talked about the power he had he hit 22 home runs last year in only 78 games like if you stretch that out over the course of a full season this guy's pushing 40 45 home runs and that's coming from your leadoff guy I think that's quite impressive. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Like if he could, if I don't have him down for that many home runs, Jesse, Mm -hmm. but I'll tell you what, for a leadoff hitter, he's going to be up there for home runs. If not the top guy, I'd say definitely. I know he's led the majors in uh, first pitch of the games, hitting home runs before. So he's instant threat right out of the game. You can make the pitcher sweat from pitch one. Yeah, he's, I mean, he's what, 6'4", six, 6'5"? Six, he's, he's not your traditional leadoff hitter. He's, mm-hmm. a, he's, yeah, he's a big body. He's a big presence. Imagine going and pitching against the Jays, and you're, the first guy you got to face is George Springer. Yeah. Like I you said, know, you're going to be sweating from right from the beginning. That's, that's tough, man. That's, that's got to be tough. So it's, as far as uh, George's slash line goes, I have him hitting best case. This is all best case to start things off. I have of best course. case. Batting average 290. Okay. And I say I say that because he's never cracked 300 in his career in a large sample size. Mm-hmm. And just the way things go, the way the American League pitching is right now, especially in the American League East, it's really – it's going to be tough for guys to crack 300. I think a handful of guys hit 300 this year, to be quite honest with you. Okay. Now, that being said, an on-base percentage of 385 is quite achievable with you there and i i have on the high side slugging um i would say 600 to 610 i mean that's the thing with springer he's an absolute masher right like he showed it last year he showed it in the years with houston so i think sky's the limit he could even lead this team in slugging percentage more than vladdy more than teoscar hernandez springer's that good of a hitter springer is very good man I, i don't think people because he was hurt last year and you and i both know we watched him with houston for the people who don't really know George Springer in 162 games. He has played 162 games in the year. I, I can't reconcile what year, but he has played every game of the season once upon a time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if we get him healthy, he's going to put up some crooked numbers. Now, that being said, Jesse, though I think the worst case for George Springer would be, obviously, number one, would be getting injured again. Yeah, and I think that's the caveat for every player, right? If a player yeah. steps oh, on a sprinkler sure. head or sneezes in the shower or something or, you know, yeah. fastball to the face. I just, I just want to throw that out there. I won't mention that with players. 
So these numbers are based are based off, um, I would say, an average of 140 to 150 games. All okay, these yep. all these all these numbers, you know, not all, every single game. But I have worst case for George. I have him at a 250 average. I don't think he hits lower than that. Yeah, with you there. Uh, an on base percentage of 325. Sure. Slugging of 250, or sorry, 250. Yikes. No, 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 no. <laughs> Slugging of 415. Okay. So the, the absolute worst case scenario there. The only realistic way I think I can see that happen is if George Springer kind of takes a step back. He is on the wrong side of 30 now, right? So eventually you're going to see these stats decline. But I don't think this is going to be the year. He was too good last year. Even his underlying stats are just too good. I think he's going to be a lot closer to that top uh, line that you projected than the bottom one. Oh, for sure. Um, as, far as, the, as far as the other numbers go, um, 35 home runs, very achievable. Um, I have him at 95 RBIs um, on the high side, only because he is batting at the top of the order. He's not in the meat of the order. He's not going to have as many runners on base in theory. Mm -hmm. That being said, 125 runs scored with the guys behind him could easily happen. Absolutely, yeah. Um, and then as far as my more kind of – that I did more research on, just kind of digging – um, 75 walks and 15 steals um, would be the high side for both of those things. I think 75 walks would be great. And you'll see a lot of numbers um, like that in the future when I bring up more players. But I think 75 is a good, good amount of walks to have for a leadoff hitter. And 15 steals, especially for what he is. Like I said, guys aren't stealing 45 bases anymore in the leadoff spot. This is a new era of baseball we're playing in. Yeah, and if you're getting 15 steals from George Springer, too, you are assuming that he's healthy enough to run and to steal these bases, which would be yes. huge, right? You're right. So you're right. At that. Because right. on the worst side of that, Jesse, I do have him – I wrote three-ish for worst case for steals. <laughs> three-ish. I like it. I like the play. Uh, let's move yeah. on to another hitter. Well, I'm sure we'll discuss George Springer lots throughout the season. So who do you have projected as uh, number two into your lineup here? Well, I think for, for me – you know, we talk about new batting orders. You had mentioned, you know, Vlad possibly in that two spot. I think you give it to Bo Bichette. Okay. Um, which, you know, that's that's a patent pending thing, obviously. This is just my thoughts. Um, for him to be a successful number two hitter, though, he's got to have more discipline at the plate. Mm -hmm. um, he's a very carefree swinger. Does he hit the ball hard? Yes. Does he hit the ball a lot? Yes. Um, but he does make a few ugly swings. Um, I can't pull an example out of my head, but – we both know um, that he takes some pretty lucrative hacks sometimes when he doesn't need to. Yeah. Bo Bichette is the very swing hard in case he hit it. You know, he's yeah. up there. Like I'm going to get three pitches. I'm going to swing hard at all of them. Yep. And most of the time it results in an extra base hit. Mm -hmm. It really does. You know, so Bo Bichette, 23 years old, he is not a free agent until 2026. So he's going to be around for a long time. He's the son of uh, Dante Bichette, who was a longtime Colorado Rocky there. Uh, yeah, he was a top prospect all the way through. He was a top 10 Blue Jays prospect. He was probably top 20 overall. The big knock on Bo Bichette, though, is he just doesn't walk. If it's outside of the zone, Bo Bichette is still going to swing, you know, but he was an all-star in 2021 for the first time. And Bo Bichette led the American League in hits last year. I don't think a lot of people really know that. 
that there was no one in the American League that got more bat on ball than George, or, uh, not George, than Bo Bichette last year. So maybe if you're talking about a guy in the two hole to hit behind or hit behind Springer and then above maybe Vladdy and Teoscar Hernandez, a guy that can put bat on ball might be good for your prototypical number two hitter. Absolutely. Yep. So give me a quick little rundown on what you think Bo Bichette could do this year. Yeah. So best case, and I mean, these numbers are going to, kind of jump out, out at you because I think they're very achievable. I don't think we've seen the best of Bo yet. Not even with close. you there. Yeah. I, I really don't. He, yes, he had a great season last year. Um, I have best case. His average could possibly be 315. 315. Okay. And that's a very steady Eddie number. And I don't see it. And you'll see that with worst case. It doesn't, I don't see that fluctuation a whole lot. Mm-hmm. I just I see him being very steady Eddie for it for this year for years to come you name it man um on base I think 360 not a huge difference with averaging on base obviously you, you talked about that a really carefree swinger bad on ball that's the thing if Bo Bichette's going to get even better if he can learn exactly what pitches he needs to swing at and he takes those pitches that are out of the zone Bo Bichette could take another leap like he could be get MVP votes next year. Like that's how good Bo Bichette could be if he just chooses to swing at better pitches mm-hmm. because he's already got the power, you know, he's, as you, I'm sure we'll get to the steals. He's a good runner. He's not bad of a defender. You know, he got even goes in spurts where he's really yeah. good sometimes. And then he's not so good other times, but yep. still, I don't know. Yep. So yeah, keep going. Um, I have him slugging uh, North of 600. Yep. I think that's, okay. I think no matter what he's going to do that worst case, obviously he doesn't say that, but, we know he can hit the ball like 500 um, slugging as a double. How many doubles is he going to hit? Like, that's just, he's, he's a hit machine. He's an extra base hit machine. Those numbers are going to be, you know, top of the leaderboards. You know, I'm not saying he's going to be the top guy, but he's going to be up there. I think if you could go onto like a sports betting website right now and peg Bo Bichette as the one player who's going to lead the major leagues in doubles this year, I think that might actually be a smart bet to make. Because do you yeah. remember when he came up in 2019 and he got on that oh. huge history? Like he got hot <laughs> as soon as he entered the league. Yeah. Didn't he have what seven, maybe even nine straight multi-hit games? Like that's yeah. insane for a kid that young to do what Boba Shet did. And his spray chart too. Like not only is he pulling the ball, but he can take the ball the other way, you know, better than I've seen a lot of guys do. Yeah. So give me quickly then what do you think? You know, if stuff goes south for Boba Shet, what does that look like? I'm thinking. 265 average, 295 on base, and a slugging round 450, 500. That would be very worst case. And, and he, that's still a good player, right? So if that's the floor that Bo Bichette has, he's going to be a monster for this team, and he's going to be really good. Definitely one of our core pieces, and good to have him around for a long time. Absolutely. Um, just one more number to touch on before we move on. Um, I, I have him. He definitely has the potential for 40 home runs, though. Um, is it going to happen? I, I don't know. Um, am I hoping it happens? Of course, but he does have that potential. So best case for sure is 40. Um, worst case is 20. And I think worst case is 20 because. Hard were doubles. Mm-hmm. And just a few more of those doubles turn into home runs, right? You're laughing. Yep. yep. Um, but the only thing with Bo Bichette though, is he does have the very hard aggressive swings that some scouts haven't liked in the past. That think, you know, once they find a hole, they can, you know, expose him. Um, but I don't think you have to worry about that yet. He's still only 23. Like I think Boba still going to be quite good for a long time. Yeah. So now you're ready to get to the big boy or number three hitter in the lineup. 
I think so. I think uh, he needs no introduction. I will. Anyway, <laughs> anyways, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Um, is definitely, definitely going to be hitting third in my lineup and in most people's lineups. Um, I mean, he, man, he just came off hitting 48 home runs, um, 1002 OPS, and he was, he was second in AL vote, AL MVP voting. We won't talk about that. Um, however, like monster year, man, monster year. Yeah. So Vladimir Guerrero was, he's 22 years old. He's the son of a hall of famer. So he's already got that great baseball blood in his system. And do you remember being a blue Jays fan in 2018? No, that was like Justin smokes good year and all that <laughs> stuff. And the team on the field was crap because Thomas Pannone was pitching many innings and Jacob Wagaspak was the guy who was getting starts. You know, Gavilio. Gavilio, right? Um, yeah. Wasn't that great. But what we all did in 2018 is we would just look at New Hampshire Fisher Cats box scores and Buffalo Bison's box scores and just see what this young Vladimir Guerrero kid is doing. And he absolutely tore up uh, the minor leagues that year. He think he hit over 400, which is impossible. No one's hit over 400 since like what the 1930s the 1920s maybe even earlier than that no 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 ted williams was the last player to hit over 400 and i think he must have did that and they um well, he did that after world war ii he fought in world war ii and then went and hit 400 man yeah well a lot of people think ted williams Crazy. might be the best hitter of all time oh <laughs> yeah yeah i was gonna say the fact that vladimir guerrero was doing stuff at such a young age that ted williams would do like that's yeah. how good of a comp that you were looking at this guy and he's not even playing against plumbers. No. <laughs> yeah, he's playing against very good yeah. pitchers. Even Real players, man. Real people. Yeah. So when Vladimir Guerrero came up to the big leagues, he started up as a third baseman. And the only reason he was a third baseman is because when Alex Anthopoulos signed him uh, as a 17-year-old kid, he just flattered and asked Vladdy, like, what position do you like? And, you know, as a 15 or 17-year-old kid, third base is kind of cool. So Anthopoulos was like, great, throw him at third base. So that's what he played all throughout the minor leagues, got up to the big leagues, and he wasn't great at third base. <laughs> you know, they tried it. He had the arm, but Vladdy was also a big, beefy baseball boy, you know? Like, he's he didn't move that well. His range wasn't the best. So they eventually they shipped him over back to first base. And once they put him over to first base, the star was born. It's easy to focus on hitting when you don't have to really worry about defense. I think right. that's his, and uh, you know, that's his comfort, comfort zone. And the, the thing is we don't need him at third base right now. We don't even need him defensively. We just need him to hit, man. Mm -hmm. I know I, I will preach defense. You, you guys will watch. I, I'll preach defense. That was the one thing that I was good at when I, even when I was slumping and hitting, um, <laughs> you know, I love my guys who can play defense, but I also love a guy who, who, <laughs> who's an MVP player absolute absolute mvp player don't care about his defense man hit 50 home runs that's all yeah and after two kind of subpar i mean he was still above league average but he wasn't a superstar like we thought vladimir guerrero would be growing up in 2020 and uh in 2019 he exploded in 2021 like his first game of the year he hit a rocket back off garrett cole that almost decapitated the poor guy and I'm like, that's Garrett Cole. That guy just won like Cy Young awards. That guy is well-regarded as one of the best pitchers in baseball. And Vladdy just smoked a meat missile off him. You knew right then that, yeah, Vladdy was here. It was coming. It was happening. Yeah, man, Vladdy's not messing around. Little fun fact on Vladdy too, is that um, not only did he lead the American League in home runs, OBP, OPS, and runs, he also hit more baseballs 95 miles per hour, uh, per hour than anyone else in baseball. Vladdy just hits nukes off his bat all the time and it's 
honestly, it's great to get to see him play every day because it's something special. Yeah, one of the most anticipated players this season, not only for a Jays fan, I feel like there are, you know, fans of teams all over the MLB going, what's Vlad going to do this year? He's uh, so young. He has so much potential. What's he going to do? All right, so go ahead, crush me some stat lines. Let's see some monster lines you got for, uh, for All right. Here. You Are you ready for this? And Let's I think this it. is absolute best case, but I feel like I'm going to say these numbers, and at some point in his career, he's going to have more, <laughs> you know? So I have best case for Vlad. 325 batting average. I still think that could be higher. Yeah, I, I just for for this season, I this is how I feel about this. Like okay. I said, he's it's the American League East is still the American League East. The pitchers are gonna are gonna do their thing, man. They got a lot of good craft, they got a lot of good velocity. Um, if he does head north of that, shame on me. But I think it's it's a pretty good um, ceiling for at this point in the year, maybe that will change come June. Maybe I'll eat my words and, and, you know, I'll change some things around. Um, that being said, um, on base 450. Yeah. Well, that's 450 is a lot, but he was over 400 last year. So I know, I know. I think, I think the, his presence this year is really going to be noted. I think he's going to get a lot more base on balls this year. I really do. Cause I think, I, and I think he, Respect, I think he right? knows. I think he knows that people are going to pitch around him too mm. at points. You know, he's just he's a smart kid, man. He knows how to hit the ball and he knows how to come across as a good hitter in the box. He's going to have a lot of good at bats this year, and a lot of them are going to result in walks. Um, slugging, six twenty five. That's an OPS well over eleven hundred, right? Like that's a monster year. So that's actually one oh seven five. Okay, close um, enough. Uh, yeah, well, still, like, that's right up there. I think if you get an 1,100 OP, um, OPS, that's, that's you know. It's like peak out that, of pools, you know? Yeah, that's astronomical, man. <laughs> um, so for his for his power numbers, um, and I've, I'm very specific with these numbers. I almost took guesses at them, but I think best case <laughs> this year, he hits 57 home runs. 57. 57. 127 RBIs. Okay, yeah. 131 runs scored. 102 base on balls. Six stolen bases. I think that's six bags. I have that's the I you asked me to do the ceiling. There it is. I'll be obvious. Well, I'll go on the six stealing bases. I wrote zero in brackets. Doesn't matter. It really doesn't. You're right. Doesn't matter. The thing with Vladdy too is after he lost the weight um, and became a first baseman, he became a league average runner. And I think a lot of people look at Vladdy and they see him as just this master. He's got to be slow. Like, no, he's probably the sixth or seventh fastest runner on this team, which is amazing for a guy that has all that power. Yeah. I think if Vladimir Guerrero comes anywhere close to those stat lines you picked up, he's MVP this year, right? I don't think anyone's going to come close. For sure, man. Um, you know what? If he has a hot start, people are going to jump on that right away. Um, mm-hmm. Even if he has a cold start, maybe people won't jump on it so quick. But I think the league really took notice of him, especially last year, man. Um, a, a lot of people are talking about this guy. They're talking about Shohei and they're talking about Vlad. Mm-hmm. Um, and Vladdy, you know, is just a better pure hitter. So the only knock I have on Guerrero is that sometimes he just hits the ball on the ground too much. And the mm-hmm. fact that he's running faster helps. But if that ground ball rate ever does spike, maybe we won't see 
quite a huge as a monster season as he does. Mm-hmm. But tell us what you think worst case for Vlad Guerrero. I think worst case, we go 27 home runs. And that comes down to, like you said, just not hitting the ball out of the park, hitting line drives, hitting hard ground balls, because we know everything he's going to hit is going to be hard. Oh, yeah, without and a doubt. It's just when's it, where and when's it going to exit the bat. Got 75 RBIs for the guy. That comes down to the top two guys or his average not being as high. 65 runs scored and 50 walks. Um, I missed his average and on base and everything, but I think worst case scenario for Vladdy's average and on base would be 250 and on base around 300, 325, somewhere in that uh, category. But I think he's going to slug over like over 500 no matter what. Sounds great to me. Sign me up. Yeah. Can't wait to watch Guerrero this year. It's going to be going to be a treat. You and me both, brother. Right, yeah. All right. To your next guy. Who do you got hitting cleanup in this order behind Vladimir Guerrero getting some protection? So that uh, who I think <clears throat> is going to be the DH on opening day. Right. I have Teoscar Te- Hernandez. Okay. He just had two seasons in a row, 2020 and 2021, that made his 2018 and 19 seasons look abysmal. Mm-hmm. Like he shattered numbers. That, And I remember watching those games in 18, 19, and he really didn't, you know, catch my eye at all. Um, I don't see him playing much defense this year. Does Is he gonna? Yeah, for sure. You know, I just, you got four good outfielders. And as far as a DH goes, I think Teoscar Hernandez is one of the better ones in the American League. And I think if you focus him on hitting, he's going to Vlad Guerrero Jr. It, maybe he'll hit better if he doesn't have to worry about defense. We don't know yet. But I really, I really hope he has a year like the last two and not three and four years ago. Because as far as his difference in his slash lines, he might have the biggest fluctuation for me. I'm with you. The upside could be sky high, but also the floor could drop out. The thing with Teoscar Hernandez in those 2018-2019 years is he struck out a lot. Um, his strikeout rate was climbing and climbing. And even in 2020, during the COVID-shortened season, when he had his monster year, the strikeout rate was still pretty high. But he took a big leap in that last year to kind of cut that strikeout rate down. And you saw the results. About If he's not swinging and missing the ball, he's hitting a lot better. So I think, you know, if that streak continues to improve, we could see more of the same for Teoscar Hernandez in 2022. Mm-hmm. Um, still 29 years old. He was actually acquired from Houston for uh, Francisco Liriano, who actually just retired. So thank you, Francisco Liriano. Um, he's under team control till 2024. You know, he reminds me a lot of the bat like uh, Edwin Encarnacion when he played here. Kind of a guy who's not going to light the world on fire, but he's going to easily hit you 30, you know. It's, it's, it's the guy he kind of reminds me of, except he's an outfielder instead of a first baseman. That I think Jays fans will know well. Yeah, a good comparison. Um, maybe not the pull power that Edwin has and a bit more athletic, but the comparison's definitely, definitely there. Mm-hmm. Um, give me your stat lines on how you think Teoscar can go, the upside and the floor for him. So I have a very specific batting average for him, and I wrote 299. Okay, so he's not going to get the 300? And I, and I, I mean, no disrespect to, uh, to T-Dog there. Um, I just, it's so hard to hit 300. I think his biggest upside, if he can hit 297, 298, 299, right in there, I think that everyone will be real happy with that. Now I'm just going to go down and tell you the downside of what his average could be, because 
This is very real, folks, um, because we've seen the best and worst. And, you know, he is the player on this. I checked it. That will fluctuate the most. And he probably will have times this year where he is very hot or very cold. Knock on wood that it's more hot than cold. But still, he'll he's a streaky guy. Mm -hmm. Um, he's still going to put up big numbers. I have him down for 36 home runs top side. Now that number could be improved. Um, I, th I still think 36, very achievable. Um, you know, I think that the Jays have a lot of home run power just through and through in their lineup and tail hitting fourth is, is great. Um, even the downside of 21 home runs. Um, and that's on the very low end of things. And that comes down to, he's only hit. 215 is low average right and he hits 21 home runs so i think if that strikeout rate continues to uh to climb and maybe there's uh you know the pitchers figure out some way to pitch him or something then yeah you can see those numbers go down i think teoscar hernandez is going to be like the x factor for this team if he is hitting oh. well like you know he can then this blue jays offense is going to be one of the best in baseball if it struggles teoscar hernandez is probably also struggling and you can yeah. kind of see the team falter because of that mm -hmm. Oh, definitely. He is going to be more of the glue than people think. Of course, you're going to think of Bo, you're going to think of Vlad, but a lot of it is going to be, you know, what Tay Oscar's doing where he hits in the lineup, whether it's cleanup or fifth in the lineup, because I imagine he'll go between those two spots. Mm -hmm. I mean, as far as getting good contact on pitches, not all the time, but he's going to hit a lot of balls and hit a lot of balls hard and hopefully drive a lot of them out of the yard. Um, just how often he does that because of either bad swings, that strikeout rate, you know, as far as his vision at the plate, I think that's what it comes down to. You know, he's got to be able to see the ball this year. Maybe DH is going to help him if he's not playing defense. If he just focuses on hitting, what's going to happen? Yeah, I guess we'll just have to wait and see. For right, sure. So I want to uh, get through these next guys quickly, if we can. Uh, maybe just yeah. do a quick little touch up on each of them. But who do you got next to get into the bottom half of our order here? Yeah, for sure. I got uh, Gurriel Jr. right uh, up next. Okay, yeah. um, well, he's an exceptional defender. He's got great hair. Not, uh, <laughs> what else do really you need in a ball player, right? Yeah, of course, man. Uh, it's it's what the kids are doing. It's the uh, <laughs> side of the new era, right? We're in this uh, yeah. we're in this new era of baseball. You got to get the new hair and everything like that. Um, and he's just a good he's just a good presence, man. He's everyone seems to like him. He always has fun out there. Um, Great like connection with Vladdy and too, and like Espinal every, and some of the Spanish players. Every time I see him, he's smiling, man. Mm -hmm. So you want to talk about streaky hitters like Teoscar Hernandez. I think Lourdes Gurriel might be the streakiest hitters. Um, you saw him at the start of last year where he wasn't hitting well, and it was just a bummer. It was tough to see him out there sometimes. But towards the end of the year, when the Jays were making a playoffs push, Lourdes Gurriel could single-handedly carry a team like he was doing down the stretch last year. He was hitting on par with like Vladimir Guerrero for like a three-week stretch there. And you just wish you could find more consistency with Lourdes Gurriel Jr. Because you can see sometimes with glimpses of him of how elite he can really be. But there's just too much of the negative for him to ever really take that next big step. Yeah, like you said, streaky started off real cold. Um, ended the season fairly well, though. Um, there's mm -hmm. one thing that's for sure with Gurriel Jr. is he's going to play. He is, yes. <clears throat> I think, the longest tender Jay right now. He could be. He was signed as an international free agent quite yeah, young. Correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah. Um, he might be the longest tender Jay right now. Um, he'll he'll be there. And, you know, 
God only knows if he's going to perform. Um, he did last year at time. Uh, we talked yesterday a little bit about his defense. I think that's uh, important too. Yeah, he's uh, not the best route runner in the outfield, and he's he could do to be a little bit faster, but his arm is elite. I've seen yeah. Lourdes Gurriel make throws in left field that uh, you just don't see Major League Baseball players make. Um, you can get you can give a quick little rundown of your best case, worst case, but try to do it quickly, and we'll uh, we'll move on to the next one. For sure. So top side of his average, I'll just give you the slash line, 295, 355, uh, 590 for best case. Okay. Um, and I actually don't have his worst case fluctuating that much. I have 360, 304, 10. I can see a situation with Lourdes Gurriel where he gets in a slump and he just doesn't break out of it. Then maybe he takes a quick little stint back to Buffalo just to get his head right. And then yeah. have him come back storming, kind of like we did with Rowdy Telez a few years back. Yeah. It could be something like that. Um, yeah. In terms of longest tenured Blue Jay, it's actually not Lourdes Gurriel. It's Ryan Barucki has been with his uh, team since uh, 2012. Wasn't thinking pitchers, so but yes. Yeah. So he might be the longest tenured hitter. Uh, yeah. But yeah, uh, let's go for the next one. Who do you got hitting next in the order? Got Randall Gritchick hitting next. Okay. I think he's a guy that um, has the potential to be a power hitter at some times. Uh, he did hit 31 home runs in 2019. Yeah. He also struck out 163 <laughs> times that year. I you, you might have had those numbers out those that really was eye popping to me. Um, he's got he's got a great arm. He's got pretty good legs for him. Um, we're paying him a lot of money, so I hope he does well. Yeah, he's got two more years left on his contract. He's uh, he's turned thirty this year. Uh, I'd say Randall Gritchick is like our perfect bench guy. He could be like our fourth outfielder. He's got some power, so if you need a pinch hit and you need a guy that can just run into one in a clutch spot, Randall Gritchick could absolutely be that guy. Uh, mm -hmm. In terms of defense, I think he's better in right field than he is in center field, but he had to play a lot of center last year because George Springer was hurt. Um, yeah, he's got a lot of swing and miss in his game, you know, and that's why he can get kind of exposed if you leave him out into the lineup full time. And as the team got healthy last year, Randall Gritchick wasn't playing much. Montoyo went with Corey Dickerson and, you know, other guys like that over Randall Gritchick a lot last year. So I think he's got a lot to prove in 2022. Yeah. I think that the using Dickerson last year, um, I think that came down to um, having a lefty bat in the lineup mm -hmm. because we, with when Cavan wasn't playing, there weren't uh, too many lefty bats in that lineup. There was a lot of right-handed hitters. Yeah, and, and that's something. Another righty. Yeah, and that's something we'll touch on as we get into team building and what the Jays can do is uh, yeah. there's not much left-handed hitters on this team, so a good right-handed pitcher can just dominate this lineup. Yeah, uh, let's move on though to the next hitter. Who do you got next? After Gritchick, I have second baseman Kevin Biggio. Yes, Kevin Biggio. Uh, one of the best guys in the MLB. Um, I'll just go right into his on base. I think his on base, best case, could be 400 or north of that. Um, not by much. I'm not talking 420. I mean right. 400, 405, somewhere in that mix. I mean, the guy, the guy's incredible that way. Uh, even his average, I have 282 at his, at his best and 210 at its worst. But that being said, I have an on-base of 310 to match a 210 batting average because no matter what, this kid's still going to get on base. Yeah, so Kevin Biggio in his rookie year was, was quite good. He set up well, and he wasn't even that bad in the COVID-shortened 2020 season, but last year he kind of took a down year. And Kevin Biggio is so much different than every other hitter on this team. He's a very passive hitter. He doesn't swing a lot, hence why he could walk so much more than any other player on this team. But last year, he decided to mix it up, and he started swinging at a lot of uh, first pitches. You know, he'd find himself behind in the count a lot. And pitchers can just attack you differently if you know you're behind. Uh, so I'd love to see Biggio get back to being 
to taking more pitches and getting back to the way he was in the past, because there's a real player here. You know, if he can break out, he'll hit you enough home runs. He'll hit you enough extra base power to be a real good person in this lineup. But I think if he doesn't, you know, we could be towards the end of Kevin Vigio as a Toronto Blue Jay, you know, they could see him down in Buffalo. It's, it's really hard. So yeah. He's again, one of these polarizing players. The thing about Biggio too is last year they had him playing everywhere on the diamond. He played a lot of right fields. He played a lot of third base last year. Um, I think this year with now Marcus Semien being gone, that Kevin or second base is Kevin Biggio's position to lose. So if he comes out into spring training and he has a really good year, you know, that eye is there and he's barreling some balls, then he could take that job and he could just run with it. Yeah, absolutely. You, you, you hit the nail on the head when you said it's his to lose. Um, mm-hmm. There's a lot of hype behind him, um, especially being the son of a Hall of Famer. I mean, yeah. Craig, 3,000 3, hits, um, playing with Dante's kid and Vlad Sr.'s kid. Um, it's just, it's, it's fairy tale, you know, to have those three guys like that. I think that's one of the coolest things that's happened to the Blue Jays, the way it happened mm-hmm. to the Blue Jays. Um, you know, a lot of people are hoping for him to perform. Will he perform? I think this year is a real good test for how the rest of his career might pan out. If he has, right. a, if he has a lackluster year, you know, maybe he's a utility, maybe he's a utility player. If he has a great year, maybe he is the, you know, that franchise type second baseman. And I think that's what the Blue Jays really wanted from Kevin Biggio by playing him in the outfield and playing him at third base is they wanted this guy who could play almost every day, but could spell other players by giving them time off by throwing him all throughout the diamond. They wanted him to be like a Chris Taylor or a Ben Zobris type, you know, where he can go in and do all that. And I, I think that's a lot for Biggio. And now maybe he learned from that and he's ready to handle that this year. I guess uh, just time will tell, but he'll be one of the most interesting players to follow in spring training and early on in next year's season. Yeah. All right. I'm with you on Biggio. Let's move on to the next guy. Who do you got? I have Santiago Espinal batting okay. eighth in my lineup. Yep. Playing, playing the, what I would say the most vacant position right now on the Jays roster, which is third base. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have his numbers, but Jesse, he did, he did awesome in the time he had last year with the Jays. He did. He was phenomenal. Loved watching him play. I mean, the only game I got to see live last year, Santiago Espinal had a home run into the left field bullpen beauty uh, yeah uh he's 27 years old he was acquired from boston in the steve pierce trade in 2018 steve pierce helped uh boston win the world series that year and santiago espinal is the guy who got back he had an ops plus of 114 which is 14 percent better than league average so he was an above average player last year the thing with him is uh it came on the shores of a 353 babbit whereas uh, which is batting average on balls in play which is generally how lucky you get based on where the defense is standing and whatnot because league average is 292 and Espinal's was 353. So you got to think there's some regression coming there. Yeah. Uh, but he plays good defense, right? You know, he's not too bad. Definitely a good bench piece. But until uh, the Blue Jays can add someone else, he's going into camp as the spreading third baseman. Yeah. Absolutely. So, yeah, he had he had two two home runs and 282 AB. So you were there for one of his home yeah. runs. I think yeah. that's awesome. Seven was... steals to add to that, too. Um, yeah. You know, for not being the fastest team – for I don't know how many plate appearances are, you know, at bats difference and, you know, pinch running situations, but seven steals is still that these guys got some pretty good legs. Yeah. And hundred percent. Like if you need a pinch runner late in game, like Santiago, Espinal, not only that too, is like, he seems to have good baseball IQ. Like he seems to always do the right thing. Like know when they are to take that extra base and stuff. 
which I don't know if that's just Espinal as a player or if that's Charlie Montoyo teaching it into him. But good guy, a good guy you want on this team. And I think he's proved that he's a major league player now. Yeah. All right. So I guess that leaves us with just uh, the catching tandem right now of uh, Danny Jansen and Alejandro Kirk. Yeah. And um, I don't know how people are going to feel about this, but my opening day starter is still Danny Jansen. And again, this is before we played a spring training game. I'm going with, because we'll, we'll talk about pitchers next week, but the battery that they're going to use on opening day should contain the best defensive catcher. Um, Kirk and Jansen being right-handed bats, uh, the pair of them, um, you know, takes hitting out for me. Um, the power in that lineup already. I just went with the best defender. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> he's definitely a plus defender and a below average catcher. We know this. Um, his batting average is not going to peak. I don't think at any point this year, sadly, if he goes on a tear, that's great. I, I hope for the best. Um, what do you got on him, Jesse? He's they're, they're neat. If you want to talk about Kirk too, jump, jump right into, yeah, because there, wanna, is two, there is two of them. Yeah. I want to touch on uh, Danny Jansen's defense there. If you want to see a good defensive clinic from a catcher on our Twitter page at, at Bud's Jays, we, uh, we retweeted a video of Danny Jansen just blocking different pitches from a whole bunch of stuff. And you can see the techniques that Danny Jansen uses. Um, this is a guy who, when he was a prospect coming up, he was deemed the Blue Jays catcher of the future, which uh, Jays have had a lot of trouble with their quote unquote catchers of the futures in the past. But uh, he came up with the reputation as a good hitter and actually a pretty poor defender. So his whole rookie year in the season, the fact that he was able to take his defense and he was able to turn it around and be the defensive catcher he is now shows great work. Now, I will say with Danny Jansen, I think there's more in his bats than we're giving him credit for. I think you'll remember in the 2022 playoffs, he had two home runs off Tyler Glasnow. Like, who does that, right? So you've seen these glimpses of Danny Jansen, and uh, he's he was pretty good in the second half last year, too. I think he had an OPS plus over 100, which means he was above league average. I mm-hmm. think Danny Jansen could start be starting to develop here into an actual lethal threat with the bat. And I think that's also something to look forward to in the 2022 season. Yeah, I do have his upside as a at, at 18 home runs, um, yeah. 60 RBI, 65 runs scored, 50 walks. <clears throat> I have one steal. He actually has zero career steals oh, and no one way. caught and one caught stealing. Um, I would not have thought that. Just a fun little tidbit. So again, he's the catcher. Um, if my catcher is gonna pull a hammy steal on a base, I'd rather my catcher's just stay put on their bag right you know that's just that'd be that'd be like a, a pitcher sliding head first into third base todd stottlemyre you know <laughs> like just you got to be smart on the base pass sometimes so J- danny not a runner um and uh you know for worst case four home runs you know i think that's fair but i also have worst case a 165 average yeah he and could that's be and down. you know that number you know could really be up or down on the upside of his on his OBP though, I think this can be noted. I wrote three fifty five. Mm-hmm. I, I can see a situation uh, where that happens. It probably yep. won't get there. No, it, it's no. possible. Yep, yep. He's he's got to be he's got to be good and lucky for that to happen. Now, if we're talking about the Blue Jays catcher situation, we do have to talk about Alejandro Kirk, who uh, came up in um, I believe it was the twenty twenty shortened season, and he you know he's five six, two hundred and sixty pounds. Like he's a little guy. He's He's beefy, you know, he's a fan favorite. People love him. The thing that I love most about him is Alejandro Kirk can flat out hit, man. If you want to talk about bat to ball skills on this team, Alejandro Kirk might be what behind Vlad behind Bo, but he might be the third best hitter on this team. ahead of George Springer. If, if things go well, it, it probably won't, 
but I, Alejandro Kirk has that much talent in his bat that he could be that good. Steamer, um, a projection system run by Fangraphs, just ran their projections of uh, how they think uh, the 2022 season can go. They have Alejandro Kirk projected as the highest OPS catcher in the major leagues. And we had a catcher in Kansas City last year hit 48 home runs. Alejandro Kirk is projected to have a higher OPS than him. So I like that. Yeah, you know, you know, you like take a look at that. Like, there's real upside with Alejandro Kirk here. And if Danny Jansen's going um, to be the starting catcher, he could get a lot of DH at bats, you know? And I think that's a real plan that the Jays might want to use for Alejandro Kirk this year. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think I'm cutting out a little bit. That's all right. You can hear me, eh, Jesse? Yeah, yeah we're good. Beauty. So the thing about Kirk um, is he's he does have that potential. He's very unproven on the ball diamond right now at the major league level. Yeah. Um, you, you get him those appearances behind the plate. You get him those at-bats. I guarantee you he's going to give you the numbers, man. I don't know about having, you know, the top one, two power numbers for a catcher. At some point, that's very achievable. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as this year goes, if he were to do that, that would be, that might be, you know, rookie of the year numbers right there, you know, especially at the position of catcher. You know, we talk about, you know, these hitting numbers and we should really mention, you know, I never played catcher. I don't think you were ever really a catcher, but played that, one inning a catcher terrified, hated it. Yeah. Just, it's, it's, <laughs> yeah. A, it's a, it's a different knack, man. Like you, you gotta be, you know, it's one of the most taxing things. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I don't know about all the sports, but in baseball, um, it's definitely the grindiest position. And you want to talk about guys who epitomize the position of catcher, just look at Alejandro Kirk, man. He, to me, is just the quintessential look of what a major league catcher should look like, man. I I loved Pudge when he was in the major leagues. Yeah. This guy's a straight Pudge. A short, stocky guy. Like, he's a fan favorite. People see Alejandro Kirk on TV and, you know, because a lot of us overweighters, you know, it's like, hey, he looks like us. He can play this game and he can do it well. You know, he's fun to root for. Man, people people love the fat guys, man. They really do. (laughs) (laughs) Bartolo, man. I don't know how that, like, you know, just things like that. And it's crazy in baseball compared to other sports, too, how you can have these out-of-shape guys be just monsters. Like Prince Fielder for years. Absolute monster. Yeah. You know, and so it can work. The only thing I do want to add with Alejandro Kirk, though, is if the Blue Jays are looking to increase for pitching or they want another third baseman, Kirk has been mentioned in a lot of trade rumors mostly just because the Jays have a lot of catching depth and some teams see the upside he has a hitter. So we'll see. If he gets traded, obviously we'll talk about it. But I really hope they don't. I want to see Alejandro Kirk at a nice full run and to go and go full yeah. send next year. Yeah, I would really like that. That, to me, is catcher of the future material right there. Mm-hmm. Um, no disrespect to Jansen. Um, but, you know, there's a lot more potential with Kirk. There really is. Yeah. So any other hitters you want to talk about in the lineup? Do you really want to talk about like, you know, Kevin Smith or Reese McGuire or any of those guys? Um, You know, I looked at that. Um, Smith did a good job last year. You know, I just don't know where to put the guy. He looked funny on first base last year for me. Right. I mean, what is his natural position? Is it uh, middle infield? Yeah. I thought that's where they had him as a middle infielder. You know, Josh Palacios is probably going to be an outfielder bench guy on this team. Oh, yeah. You know, we can we can touch those guys when they come up later in the season. But, you know, they're not super high upside guys. We've talked about the main core of the lineup here. And yeah, needs, yeah. So. And, and talked about Kirk. And, like, you know, that could easily change the whole Kirk Jansen thing. Um, 
really depends on spring training. Like if Jansen goes out and just has a big dookie in his drawers, you know, mm-hmm. for three weeks, then like it's Kirk's job. And there's mm-hmm. no looking back on that. Cause we know Kirk's, I, I bet you as soon as he gets input into that lineup, he's, he's going to do things, man. He's going to tear the cover off the ball. And he said third best hitter on the team. I won't even argue that one, man. It, the upside's there, man. I'm not saying it's happening, but there's a chance. Yeah. There, you know? You're telling me there's a chance. Yeah. So there we go. That kind of concludes our roundup of, uh, I guess, the main offensive characters that we're going to do on the show. I guess next week we're going to come back. We're going to talk pitching. Who doesn't love pitching, you know? Yeah, so we're going to do all that. But uh, before we sign off here today, Riley, I got some trivia for you. Are you ready? Oh, boy. What do you got for me, Jesse? Well, you mentioned earlier in the show that Vladimir Guerrero Jr. finished second place in MVP voting in 2021. Can you name the last Toronto Blue Jay to finish second in MVP voting? Oh, boy. Yeah, and while you think about it for a second, if you guys watching on YouTube, if you think you know the answer to this, type it in the chat below and see what you can got. See if you can get it quicker before Riley does here. Nice. Yeah. Go ahead, guys. I mean, um, because obviously we're in here to specify. I'll ask one question. Yeah. So we're just talking about the last time a Jay finished runner up. Well, second place in official voting. Okay. They do a point system in terms of voting, right? Yeah. Um, I'm going to say Carlos Delgado. Yeah. You think so? I won't that's, tell you the answer. No, that's, that's fine, man. Just, yeah. um, if, if Bautista Edwin finished second, then, you know, that's great for them. I must have missed it. Um, <laughs> but, you know, um, I'd have to go back that far. Um, I, I do have a second guess, but I think that's unfair. Um, I'll stick with I'll stick with Delgado, man. Um, Bautista had some years in 2010. He had 54 home runs. And, uh, yeah, you know, I was better in 11. Going to throw out a name that um, – you know, maybe shouldn't doesn't get tossed around if we're talking about Jay's history. Carlos Delgado. Shout out right. Carlos Delgado. One well, of the best. Tuned. I was going to say, stay tuned for an episode uh, next week to see what the answer is, to see if Riley's right there, and we'll go through pitching. And Riley, yeah, that completes our first episode. We did it. Uh, awesome. Got any final thoughts? No, man. I, I had a lot of fun, man. It's good to talk and crunch the numbers, man. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of want to, you know, Get this season rolling out, man, to be honest with you. I want to see Kirk be the best hitter on this team, man, or the third best hitter, I should say. Um, I, I want to see Bo take those pitches and him not throw the ball around the diamond this year. You know, I want to see some steady Eddie infield. And if Espinal is the guy that plays third base, I hope he does great, man. It's yeah. going to be a lot of good players to watch, dude. It's going to be an exciting team to watch. Hey, I like you. I've I've never been more. Ex- I still always say this every winter, but I've never been more excited for a Blue Jay season than I am for this one coming up here. Um, that'll do it for here today, though. Uh, we'll be back next week to talk pitching. We've got some old returning guys, and we got Kevin Gosman to dog dig into next week. So make sure you like and subscribe. Tune into that. Uh, yeah, follow us on Twitter. If you want to be a guest on the show, or if you have a comment or something, you can email us at buds and blue Jay- or yeah buds and blue jays at hotmail.com. And yeah, we're just getting started here, guys. We're gonna be here all week. Uh, make sure you turn into our sister podcast, which is Leafs and Lads. They just had downtown Stephen Brown, uh, Stephen Brown on one of their episodes, and they just blew another two-goal lead against the Rangers. So, you know, Din and the boys are going to be fired up about that. Uh, so make sure you like and subscribe to them as well. And, yeah, I'd say that's it, and we'll see you next week.